Hello everyone, uh, this is Matt Bacher with another episode of the Fat Dog Vinyl Podcast. As a reminder, we are located at 7 North Main Street in Mount Vernon, Ohio. Um, come get your favorite record. Come talk to me about your favorite album, um, the usual run of the mill. Just come like mess with Phil if you want to. I don't really care as long as you come in and pack the store. That's all that matters. And we are back at it again for another episode of the podcast. And tonight we are talking about an album that has been talked about really to the moon and back a million times. And I'm still excited to talk about it because not only is this album so great, everyone has a bunch of personal memories with it. So today I have... Dylan on the air to talk pet sounds. So Dylan, welcome to the show. Are you excited to talk a little classic Beach Boys today? Very, especially with you, Matt. Yes. We were kicking around two albums. It was either Pet Sounds or The Cure's Disintegration. So stay tuned. We're going to have Dylan back for Disintegration. Um, I'm going to get really sad on that one. But I also have some unpacked sadness for pet sounds. So... Dylan, off the top of your head, do you remember what your first exposure to Pet Sounds was? Uh, my first exposure, I believe, was, um, you know, I was very young, and my mom, she really loved the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd go on family trips, family car rides, and my dad was a big heavy metal fan. But, you know, my mom, she would slide her music in there as well, and uh, the Beach Boys would be one of them. And uh, the album Pet Sounds, you know, she would play that often and i re always remember the track wouldn't it be nice right just the first track it's an opener um i inherited my grandfather's chevy truck when he passed and he had a few cds in there and one of them was like a beach boys compilation and the first track on it was wouldn't it be nice and i was thought there was a cool continuity with my grandpa jerry that we were both like bumping wouldn't it be nice driving around in an old Chevy Colorado. So, you know, I think that's what's so exciting. You know, this was 1966. Um, I wasn't alive. You weren't alive. You, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we were a few, a few decades off by this point. But, you know, that's something we're going to break down is like, why are we sitting here talking about this record? You know, this is many rock and pop fans would put this as maybe a top album of all time top five top 10 at least top 50 or 100 so you know we're gonna get to the bottom of why is this special for the beach boys discography what does it mean today and we're gonna hop right into wouldn't it be nice so you know this is cool that it was a big introduction to you just because it really is from that opening guitar bit or like well it, it's not even guitar well kicks off with the drums and I believe, um, I can't remember the drummer's name, but I know he's from the same band that Brian Wilson used. And they were like the biggest band that um, they would use when they would record different bands. And the Capitol would use this band all the time. And I just can't remember their name. No, I'm talking before this. Um, the da 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 Like whatever instrument that comes in, it's so melodic. Oh, the uh, little um, xylophone. Yeah, it's like yeah. a... Well, I don't. John, do you know what that instrument is? Uh, I, I don't. You can edit this out. There's a mystery instrument in the beginning of Pet Sounds. Um, I can't think of those little. Um, and wasn't the drummer Dennis? Yeah, Dennis okay. Wilson. Okay. Anyways, back to business. So it just really is an iconic opening. You know, 
what are your thoughts on the lyrical content of this song for an opening on a pop record? Because I think this is a very interesting opener. I think it's a great opener because, you know, it reflects what the record is going into as in moving forward. And I also think that um, it's a song about meeting somebody either when you're older or younger and spending the rest of your life with them. Yeah. Well, and especially I don't know how to take the, then we wouldn't have to wait so long. Part of me, especially the first exposure I had to the music, it just sounded like a song about dying in a lot of ways. Or It's just like, obviously to me, the Beach Boys always were an older band, like somebody your parents and grandparents listened to. So in a way, I had a way of like perceiving it's, like obviously people change a lot through the years and the decades so it's like in a way it seemed like a love song to me but in a way it just seemed like about getting older and dying and like wanting that lack of responsibility wanting i don't know it's hard to explain but i always like i was never really sure contextually where this worked because it's like i think on face value it is a song about a relationship but it, to me, it also just first and foremost, it came off about a happy song about like dying or getting old in a way. I could see that. Um, I think the way I took it is where like, you know, wouldn't it be nice, you know, like when it says, wouldn't it be nice if we were older, you know, as you're younger and you kind of sometimes wish you had that yeah. knowledge of being older. And if they were older, you know, they wouldn't have to wait so long to uh, experience their. Sometimes, you know, you have to go through the bad to get to the good. Yeah. Um, there's an old song by, I don't know if it's, I think it's just the Modern Lovers, or if not Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers. There's a song called Dignified and Old. <laughs> and it's basically about like. I'm a, I may just be a young scamp now, but like someday we're going to be dignified and old and we're going to have all this knowledge and stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, I get this as a romantic song and it's like about growing old with somebody in a lot of ways. But for me, I've just never wanted to take it that way. I always thought it was like a little deeper than that, but I mean, it really is a beautiful song. It's an interesting opener, but it flows into you still believe in me. Oh yeah. Um that track is a great one because um you know it's expressing a woman that to the to the man that um no matter what we're going through in life, no matter how bad it gets, you'll still be there for me as I will be there for you. You know, um, I think, you know, a strong relationship is uh, two people working together. And no matter what they have going on in their lives, they get through it together. One supports the other. You know, it's really funny, too, because this is a very uplifting song, but it just makes me feel terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a reason I said it. And then it flows into uh, you still believe in me. And then I left this awkward pause there. Um, without getting too overly specific, I listened to this track the morning after a very terrible night when things were in dire straits. And for some reason, I just had this sense of assurance. And I was driving to work 
listening to this track just like dramatic i was i was driving down gay street in mount vernon to my old shop or my old job at the antique store just like tears running down my face on a saturday morning and i was feeling oddly optimistic and i saw a woman walking a greyhound dog around town and i had a sweater on and so this is what i love about this podcast this is my super deep personal moment as i associate this with optimism when times are hard and seeing somebody walking a greyhound in a sweater because that was really cute and impactful to me however the reason the song makes me sad now is uh things got much worse after that but it hit me in a time of optimism so it's like i have such a pure moment with this song and now it like things ended up getting really bad again not too long after that so it's like this was the eye of a hurricane song for me and like a, a personal moment as like I was really just like enjoying this song and like what it's about. It really is a, a very pure love song. But I have some trauma with it now too. But that's why we're sitting here talking about pet sounds. Because what Rolling Stone is not gonna offer you in a review of pet pet sounds or what Pitchfork can't tell you is that this song reminds me of seeing a greyhound in a sweater when I was driving around town crying. So, you know, it's just a big moment. Um, something about the old-timey car horn at the end, too. <laughs> it just gives me a really weird feeling. It's almost like this euphoria at the end. It builds. You think it's over, and it builds, and there's such a crescendo, and it's just... It's like, wake up. <laughs> Yeah, no, this would have been a sick album closer. I'm just going to say it. If they drop this at the very end. Oh, that's okay. This is my hot take. Maybe we can edit in an explosion sound in here, too. I actually think I would have made this the last track on the album. Yeah, it'd be a cool killer ending track, but I, I do. I would miss the animals at the end of Caroline. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it just gives me that energy, but I don't know. You still believe in me as just... Creme de la creme, S tier, pop song. Oh, I, you know, no matter. I think it's a song too. No matter what hard time you're going through in your life, it can really express uh, finding yourself again. And speaking of finding yourself, we're rolling into that's not me. So I was on Twitter the other day, which I shouldn't be spending on Twitter because there's nothing ever really good happening there. <laughs> and right? there was this meme of somebody looking very unhappy and it's like when you're in an overrated album contest and your opponent is and then there's a picture of pet sounds and people in the comments were like that's not me is such a stupid song and then it flows into don't talk put your head on my shoulder which is the most boring track on the record and i, I was agree. literally about to throw my device because this is my favorite part of the record that's not me as so wonderfully produced the guitar tone is beautiful like the chord progression it's probably my favorite chord progression on the album i don't know it's like i love the idea of like it's just about like packing up and leaving unfamiliarity personal identity i was just so surprised that like obviously people were throwing shade at the album because it's cool to hate popular things sometimes or, like, maybe somebody just didn't like it, and that's fine, too. But, like, people were really going off on That's Not Me and Don't Talk. And I just took that personally because this is my favorite back-to-back -back on the album. Uh, what are your thoughts on this track? I, I think um, when I first 
listen to this track or listen to the album entirely, I I took it, you know, as um, it kind of meant to me, you know, like me as a person, you know, um, how I feel. I wouldn't change for anybody. Um, yeah. I'm me, and that's how it's going to be. And being somebody else is definitely not me. Yeah, no, this song has, like, it has an interesting way of, like, I listened to the song in college a lot because I was going back and forth from, like, being in the city to being in a hometown. And it was just, I I feel like that's what it always meant a lot to me about is just, like, having something to prove and, like, I don't know. Um, this song has, like, a huge over-reliance and a romantic relationship that's not always super good. Like, you know, you can try to be... I mean, I guess it's nice if you think about it, but trying to be big in the eyes of the world. But basically, you just care about how you're coming off to a significant other. Like, I think that was very much my headspace in, like, 2018 when I was just... Like, 2017, 2018, or sure, back in my student radio days at OSU... That's when I fell in love with Pet Sounds. I did not listen to this record in high school. So that's not me. Is like, it, it does reflect my headspace a lot during that time period. I had to prove that I could make it alone now, but that's not me. I wanted to show how independent I'd grown now, but that's not me. Now, I have a bone to pick with the world because it's come to my attention that people do not like the song Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of an inter- interesting one. Uh, of course, the whole album was, um, I believe, written a lot by Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at the time, he was really going through the psychedelic drugs. Of course, that was the whole psychedelic movement with acid and uh, uh, shrooms, things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, some people don't understand this record, you know, and some people do. It just depends on who you are and how you take it. But um, don't talk, you know. um, It just seems like this song is like um, he's telling the woman to not talk, put your head on my shoulder. And it's... That's that's all I sometimes hear from it. Which is fair. That's what this song is about. But to me, this is the most tranquil, graceful, like... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's borderline psychedelic. I don't know if that says anything in particular about me. Because I would take this song over God Only Knows in a heartbeat. There are, oh, yeah. are headspaces where this is my favorite song on the album. It is... The instrumentation, the way it builds on the end. This song, like the way it builds, like this would be a cool way. Like if I could pick a song to to die to and like to be ascending or descending somewhere, it is probably, this song would be up there. Because it's don't talk, put your head on my shoulder, close your eyes, be still. Like, it's about a moment of relaxation. It's about, like, 
hey, it's over. We don't have to do this. We don't have to talk. We don't have to figure anything out. The yelling can stop. The work can stop. This song is like, and I guess in like the romantic context of most of the songs on the record, you know, it's like a nice sentiment is like, we can get into it and I can still support you because this is one of those beautiful and simple songs. I think it's this and that's not me. I think are two of the best produced songs of all time and in their entire catalog. These ones just come off to me as like arguably the most beautiful. And when I saw those mean people and the Twitter comments calling this boring, when I literally think this would be a cool song to die to, I just, that rubbed me the wrong way. So I was like, "Mm, I can't wait to break this down on the Fat Dog Vinyl podcast because, you know. Yeah, it's definitely a melancholy album. Yeah, no, that's the thing is the Beach Boys are like, when I was a kid, I thought they were like, fun, fun, son, we're going surfing, like... (laughs) I love this girl. <laughs> California girls are, are Cal, um, yeah, that like, I don't know. A lot of the songs are literally like, I like girls. I like California. Yeah, and at the time, you know, Brian Wilson, you know, he, he saw that and he, you know, he heard Rubber Soul by the Beatles and that inspired him. What a time for rock music. Oh, I know. 1966 was great, you know, and you had the Laurel Canyon scene, all the yeah. bands coming out, started with the birds. Than the Beach Boys. Well, in this world. record, it, I don't know, that's such a ball in your court moment for like McCartney and Lennon. You ready for this molten hot take, which might also get an explosion edited in? Oh, yeah. I like this album more than any individual record by the Beatles. This is my favorite album of the 1960s. I don't think Lennon and McCartney ever hit a record that was this euphoric all the way through. And really what's funny is in many ways, my favorite Beatles records are probably Rubber Soul and believe it or not, Magical Mystery Tour for some odd reason. But I don't know. Like, I don't, I would take this over Abbey Road or Sgt. Pepper's No Contest. So if you want to come on the podcast and argue with me about this to any listeners at home, come fight me on this one because I'm ready to go. But, you know, I'd also, you know, take um, 65 over Rubber Soul. I'd also take 65 over Sgt. Peppers. And I mean, I'd take Pet Sounds over Sgt. Peppers. This is fun. We could do a musical March Madness of just like (laughs) people throwing down hot takes and opinions. And like, that's the thing about Pet Sounds is like, I don't even need to support this album because it obviously has enough supporters in a way, but like it's that good. Now we are now leaving my bread and butter. Cause like I said, you still believe in me. That's not me. And don't talk. Uh, that's one of the best, like that's the Holy Trinity of the 1960s for me. Um, I knew all of a sudden I'd get really dramatic and really personal when we hit this part of the album, um, this was my time to shine. So I'm going to let you take the lead on. I'm waiting for the day. I came along when he broke your- um, this is a, I love this track as well as all the others. Um, it brings me back down to earth a little bit. Oh, yeah. In a, in a good way. Because like I said, I'm just like, I'm feeling very moved. The last three songs, and this 
gives me the stamina to continue on. Oh, I agree. You know, I, I've been through some, you know, troubling relationships in my lifetime, like I'm sure everybody has. But, you know, it's it's a song about, you know, being um, true to um, who you are. It's a song that, um, you know, I'm like, I'm waiting for the day that you can love me as much as I love you. And I'll keep waiting until you do that. But if not, you know, I have to go on. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting. Like, I don't think the I'm not sure if the album is specifically about one particular relationship or one particular feeling. But this one is kind of an interesting way to flow into the album, too, because it's funny. Sometimes I get a little burnout if like too many songs on one album are about a relationship or like in second person point of view or just talking blindly about love. But especially for the 1960s, this album was just really fresh. And I still find the sums relatable. And like, I'm waiting for the day too. That's just like, I don't know. It's almost like traditional and Shakespearean in the way that it's like, it's just a very relatable song. Like I'd be hard pressed to oh, find yeah. somebody that would listen to this and like, Oh, I've never felt like this. I've never been in this situation. Well, it's also, you know, a lot of people, to a lot of people, it's their introduction to psych psychedelic rock, this yep. record. So. And then flowing into uh, Let's Go Away for a While, which is super cool because, it, like I said, this is kind of like the end of an era here because, like, Pet Sounds really just right off the bat, wouldn't it be nice, like... It really, in my opinion, my very humble opinion, it delivers up to the praise. It delivers to the expectation. And I love that back in the day, too, like, I like that there's just this moment of rest. Like, I, I said Don't Talk was my moment of rest in a lot of ways. But at the same time, it's so overwhelming to me in so many ways because it's still so emotional. This song gives me a time to catch my breath a little bit. Which, so, and then it flows into a big hitter, Sloop John B. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, one of my favorite tracks on this record. Um, do you like it more than Don't Talk? Yes, I do. That's wild. This is my least favorite <laughs> track on the <laughs> record. Oh, that's hilarious. But this is a big hitter. I had one of my professors on my student radio show at Ohio State. Um, his name is Bruce, and he wrote an entire book about, like, a bunch of music from the 60s and 70s like he was super deep on it um and i had him in some environmental class and like when i brought him on he wanted to talk pet sounds and this is like the first song he went to which i thought was interesting because myself and my friend taylor this is always the song we would bounce off the record but why is this a song you love so much i think the reason why i love it so much is because um it kind of represents what i would do if I would get thrown in jail, <laughs> go out all night drinking, steal beer from somebody, <laughs> get thrown in the brig or get thrown in jail or something. Not that I would want to do that, but it's just a fun song to me. We come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me. So 
It it well that's my problem. That's why <laughs> That's why I struggle with it. It's because it's a fun song and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And for some reason when I'm throwing on pet sounds, I'm taking myself way too seriously. <laughs> you know, but it is like something about it has like a like a sailor song energy you know it's something about it is old timey like if you told me this melody was from like a traditional song i i would buy it like the beach boys are one of the most like melodic and inventive bands of all time and i think that's why i struggle with this one a little more than some of the others is because it really is like don't get me wrong it's objectively a good song but yeah when i come to pet sounds this is the curveball for me but it's so interesting because for so many people, this is just such a like a favorite track. Well, you know, in the in the lyrics, you know, I feel so lonely. I want to go home. Yeah. You know, um, I, yeah, it's like a different feeling sadness, you know, like I said, you know, um, Brian, he expresses so many feelings in this record itself. It's like he had a ball of emotions building up inside of him and he just had to let it out. Mm hmm. And. Especially, too, I think it's really weird back-to-back because back it flows into God Only Knows, which is, you want to hear something embarrassing? You want to hear an embarrassing fact about me? The first time I ever heard this song. Um, back in the day, there was a British teen drama called Skins, and it was literally just about a bunch of teenagers getting drunk and stoned and like doing debaucherous things in the U.K., and like I said, I didn't listen to this album in high school. Like, I wasn't super deep on the Beach Boys until college. I didn't listen to this record for the first time until college. The first time I heard this was, like, I don't know. I think they're, like, high school students. They're, like, singing this song for, like, some school performance. So, like, that was my first experience with God Only Knows. And it should tell you how good of a song it is because it even held up in that rendition. Like, this is another song. This could be, like, a literal church hymn to me. It's that good. Like, it really is a great melody. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. If you should ever leave me, well, life would still go. What are your takes on this one? Um, I really love this song. Um, you know, um, I think it's a song about, you know, um, going going on, but, you know, if I had to live without you, I could. But um, it's, to me, it's, it puts me, um, it makes me think about people that I love in life, you know, like my mom mm -hmm. and my girlfriend, you know, and... Uh, even if they weren't with me, they would still be with me. Right. But life would go on without them. It would just be significantly worse. And it's like, you know, well, obviously yeah. the, the phrase just, oh, God only knows what they're up to. Or, yeah, you know, like it's generally like, a, oh, heaven forbid. Or like, I don't want to think about this because it's not a good outcome. That's what God only knows. Like. Obviously, it's basically saying only like a omniscient figure would know how crazy or corrupt or backward something would be if whatever. So it's like it is a simple song. But like I said, what holds it up is like also my other set of grandparents. I know my grandma referenced 
when like my grandfather went in the nursing home, you know, they had lived together for like decades and decades and decades and been married. And he was recently moved to a nursing home here in town because he has really bad Alzheimer's. And like, it was a very emotional week for my entire family. And like, obviously I can go see him whenever, but like just super emotional time for us. And I know, like she said, as soon as she dropped him off for one of the first times she went to visit him there, like, I think she like said she heard this on the radio or something or other. And I was like, that's really crazy to me that my grandma and I are like, having emotional responses to the same song. Like I was really fascinated by that. I never would have guessed that. So I think it's really special that like, I guess I'm kind of unpacking this on the show too. I had never thought of it this way as I don't feel like I have a lot of music in common with my grandparents. And this album is something that we might have more in common and especially in a more indirect way. I would, I would agree with you. You know, I, I meet a lot of older people in my life, and I'm friends with a lot of older people. And although my grand grandma and grandpa weren't, you know, young enough to remember the Beach Boys, it's still um, there's older people out there that do, and it's uh, nice to relate with them loving the Beach Boys and you know myself. Um, and it's very nice. The other day, um, I was in the shop here at Fat Dog Vinyl, 7 North Main Street in Mount Vernon. I saw a boy, he said he was in seventh grade, him and his grandpa. They were in here looking at old Beatles records, and he kept saying, Hey, Pop, do you have this one? Hey, Pop, I know this song. And, you know, like he was trying to impress his grandfather. And then Phil made some comment about, like, Wow, sounds like you got a Beatles fan and he's like yep it takes a Beatles fan to to pass on the lineage and you know there was this nice moment in the shop the other day where I was like this is really wholesome that there's just like a seventh grade boy who's just like overwhelming with excitement like seventh graders tend to be a little edgy and rebellious towards friends and family sometimes like I could just tell he was just so dead set on like sharing this moment and sharing these albums and music with his grandfather. So, I mean, I really think it is special. Like obviously the 1960s was, I mean, I would think in like Western specifically American culture, the 1960s are thought of to be the most game changing decade, especially for rock and pop music. Well, yeah. And it was a special time. And, you know, it also had movements, you know, like Martin Luther King yeah. Jr., um, John F. Kennedy. And, um, of course, it was the start of the Vietnam War, unfortunately. But yeah, you know, it was, it was just a, such a it was time where people came together. It was such an impactful time, and the music reflected that. Um, on to the next one. Here today, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, um... I like this track. It's not my favorite track, not one of them, but um I think it's um it's another song that's, you know, it reflects on that psychedelic yeah. Output. It's it's a little more different in a lot of ways and to me yet again I'm chomping at the bit too because it to me it's like uh the opening act for the next song but it is another one that just kind of reiterates on the themes of the album a little bit like it does come through like i mean it is an interesting song but i like obviously it doesn't get as much of it as a 
It doesn't get as much at- attention as some of the other ones on the record. Well, I also believe, I think this is the track that you can hear in some of the uh, instrumental cuts that uh, you can hear some of Brian's voices. Wait, what do you mean, like, in the... Well, um, as the guitars and the... And as you get into the rhythm of the song, you can hear echoes of his voice. And uh, he, through the time, you know, he was, um, he believed he was very touched and he could hear God speak to him in his music. And um, it reflected in this album. Yeah, that's really interesting to to hear too, because like, I I mean, I just think the production on this album is so special and the way it pieced together, like. Um, I know this is a big argument, but like, do you prefer mono or stereo for this record? <laughs> you know, I really like. Um, so, there's the stereo, and then the mono, and then of course there's the uh, seventy-two pressing that's supposedly supposed to be the best pressing um, that was ever put out of it. And it's two sides, you know, one side is Carl and the Passions, and the other side is the Beach Boys Pet Sounds, and it's a two LP set. So one record is Pet Sounds, one out record is uh, Carl and the Passions, which is basically the Beach Boys. But um, I really think the, um, you know, I hate to say that the 72 stereo pressing does sound really good, and it sounds better than the original two, but, you know, I think I prefer stereo. But yeah. mono is slightly quieter. I mean, I always have had a preference with stereo. I just think it's cool, you know, and a lot of the bands I've listened to or played into, like, you know, there's something special when things are, like, panned a certain way to kind of, like, bounce back and forth. Like, I get the arguments on both sides, and I know it's not all recordings are created equal, but I do think it's an interesting thing to discuss. Well, and I mean, you know, even the, um, you know, Going back to um, stereo and mono and pressings, the 72 pressing of this record, you know, it sounds even better than the pressings that are coming out today because they're pulling from the original master tapes. But, you know, back in 72, Brian and Carl fixed the production and the they just went in and just made it even more better to where it's more clear and more that you can hear everything which is crazy. I, I listened to it the first time yesterday because it's hard to find this. And at first I didn't believe it and I listened to it and I did. Yeah. Um, flowing into the next track. I just wasn't made for these times. That's a special song to me because, uh, you know, I always envisioned myself being a man at my age <laughs> in the sixties <laughs> because yeah. It was a different time. People were different then. And I loved the music back then. I loved the whole psychedelic rock. I love everything from bands like Nova One to mm-hmm. Jefferson Airplane to um, The Birds. Yeah, like this is a great song. Like if you're worried about certain trends in pop culture, things happening a certain way too, this is kind of one of those like old soul songs which is funny because like obviously it was written in 66 so like obviously there was like some alienation being felt i'm like i just wasn't made for these times and you're like damn i was made for 1966 like even if brian was struggling well and that's it you're not, not too but like you know that's like somebody has jordans and then you got somebody that has an old pair of like uh let's say uh dress shoes or 
yeah dockers or something or i don't know some kind of style of shoe they they think man that's just too hip for me yeah i just wasn't made for that um this is another song on this record where it's just overwhelmingly personal um i had some friends that lived around the corner from me in college and we'd go over there and you know they were huge fans of music from the 60s and 70s and you know they worshiped the beatles and the beach boys and we'd go over there and play music crush a bunch of cheap beer and it was really refreshing to me that i found people to kind of live these party moments with but like there's no way around it we were getting drunk and listening to pet sounds and it wasn't this like wild atmosphere everyone was just like we were obsessed with these songs um we would share these moments like you know drinking some rolling rock and it's like we're listening to martha my dear from the white album right now you know it's like um nothing but respect to the party music of today but you know it's like not particularly what i want to hear sometimes so it's like it was very nice to hang out with the Ludwig brothers and the Flanagan brothers. And um, my my friend Taylor and I would walk over there. We'd bring our cat Muskrat, who Dylan, you've met many a times. I love Mass Muskrat. She was I'd our, take her if I could. But she <laughs> was our, our cat in college. We'd take Muskrat over to the neighbors. We'd have some drinks and we'd listen to the Beach Boys. And I have a wonderful Snapchat memory of <laughs> my friend Taylor and Dave sitting on the couch with our arms around each other, just vibing out to this song. And it's such a euphoric experience because it's such a sad song and we're all just like being able to share this moment together. So, you know, and also Taylor who was playing bass in the band at the other time, I have never really heard Taylor sing. Um, he generally doesn't do that. There was a, a time in the band where he was thinking about like, we were thinking about covering this and he was going to sing it. And to this day, the only time I've ever heard Taylor sing, who's been one of my best friends for like a decade now, was like when we were working on this song and just in the basement of his dad's house. So all this music that we've shared, all these memories, this is the number one song I would associate with essentially who is my brother, Taylor. Like because he he got so into the song. He was just feeling so I don't know. Just he was relating to this so hard that he was like singing it. He he says he sings alone in his car sometimes. But wrong with that. Yeah, but for him to sing this in front of some close friends was like out of character, and I was just thought that was super impactful that the song moved him and really all of us that much that it had that effect. So, damn, onto the title track, Pet Sounds. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, you know, this is one that I can, you know, I, I'm listening to it, but I'm, you know, also when I do listen to this, I, I go through and sort through my records and I think to myself that this is another song that, you know, does represent a lot of psychedelic sounds. Yeah. And another thing too is, you know, the crazy thing is the Beach Boys before they worked on this album, they were um, going through a time where Brian was, um, he didn't want to fly anymore. He didn't want to tour. Yeah. So they got 
Glenn Campbell to fill in for him while Brian went on to make the next record, and that mm-hmm. was Pet Sounds. And to think that one man did the production on this and did everything himself is just incredible. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to me the way it like worked out, too, because it's just like... It's it is a pop record. There are like singles on this that can be played in like classic rock radio, but it really is such a deep and artistic record at the same time. Like that's why it is my favorite record that came out in the nineteen sixties, pound for pound, track for track. Like I don't think it's a perfect record, but I think it's flawless at what it tried to do. Really the merging too, because if you liked really early, like fun, upbeat I like girls. I like California music. <laughs> I still think there's, or like, like I said, like if you're just like, if your monitor is, I love my girlfriend. There are just some very straightforward love songs in here that you can still enjoy. But there are some songs that deep, deal with deep alienation and confusion. And so that's why I love this record is it has something for everyone. It has spanned generations um, even to throw a track like Pet Sounds on the record, Pet Sounds was interesting, like the way it flows in the album. Like I said, I, th- I think if I could change one tangible thing about the record, I think I'd play with the track listing a little bit. Um, but I, I would be curious and to learn more on like why certain songs were chosen in certain order. Um, and then it flows into, I, I didn't mean to upstage this one by saying You Still Believe in Me should have been the closer. Even though I do believe that, Caroline No is the closer. So, Dylan, what are your thoughts on this one? This one, I do love this song because... Yeah, it's a great one. And it just, it takes me back to a a point in life, no matter where I was, but it just reflects on the best times in my life. And it just makes me think, um, you know, of the relationship me and my uh, girlfriend right now have. And... You know, I, I think that uh, will I ever, you know, like when it says, will I ever define in you again, mm-hmm. you know, that always makes me think I can define in her always. You know, I can define in somebody. It means you can fully define in somebody, even if you can't define in somebody, even if that somebody leaves. Right. You'll find somebody else that you can. And I just think this album, like I said, I think it just the way it begins, the way it ends, it just it really does tie together. I think even for the time, even though there were so many great albums of the 60s, I think it really just gave me that great like start to finish experience that I want to throw on a record. Like I said, there are some tracks I like more than others. Um, and I do love that two, three, four track lineup at the beginning. But really, I do think this is a well-balanced there's always something to look forward to. It's always flowing into ideas. Um, and I just think it's like one of the most inventive records of all time. Um, I would agree. And, you know, to get back to, you know, your experience with first having this record, mine, you know, I used to go to this record store quite a bit. And uh, I bought an old dual turntable and it wasn't working for me. And I didn't really care for it. So I bring it back and the owner said, well, you know, you have to buy something. You have to, like, get something in return so I don't lose money. 
which he was a major jerk. But anyway, I promise that is not the fat dog vinyl mantra. <laughs> no, it is right not there. the fat dog vinyl. Yeah, and you can hear <laughs> owner of the shop Phil giggling in the background because there's a reason Dylan hangs out here now and not the other place so much. Yes, the other place was quite um an experience, but uh anyway, you know, I the record that I chose was Pet Sounds. It was 100 bucks and I I bought it and I took it home and I never regretted it since. To I be still honest, have it's probably today. worth a hundred dollars. <laughs> like I probably think worth it's, more today. Yeah, I mean, if there's, I think it's one of the most important vinyl records to have for some reason. I don't know why I feel that way, but it's just such a classic album. Like I said, because it's my favorite album in the '60s. Obviously, vinyl is a more old-timey medium sometimes. So it's like obviously you want to own some past generations classics, but. Um, something interesting that i just figured out the other day so i'm a huge fan of the pixies and frank black and the catholics and all frank black and or black francis is solo material and he covered a song called hang on to your ego which is on some like extended pet sounds releases which is basically an alternate version of i know there's an answer have you heard hang on to your ego uh, no, but I know there's a verse of that in uh, the song. Um, yeah, because uh, um, Frank Black covered it. Yeah. And it's like, hang on to your ego. And I'm like, yeah, and it talks okay. about people. Uh, they trip through the day and they sleep all night. Yeah, no, I thought that was really interesting. And just like, like I said, the impact that the Beach Boys had on the music I listened to. Um, one time in the depths of Wikipedia. I saw that people claim the Beach Boys song from 1970s Sunflower. It's called All I Want to Do. It is credited as the first chill wave song. <laughs> and like bands I'd listen to, like Neon Indian, Tori Moi, Washed Out, so on and so forth. Um, like I guess MGMT to an extent. When I go listen to All I Want to Do, it does sound kind of like Tame Impala-ish. And... It's probably my favorite. It's definitely my favorite Beach Boys song that is not on Pet Sounds. Um, Dylan, I believe I asked you the other day what your favorite Beach Boys song was, and you said "Don't Worry, Baby," correct? It is. Yeah, no. I that also one like. Uh, I also really love uh, "Do You Want to Dance." Yeah. And I think that kind of, I think, I feel like Blink One Eighty Two kind of has some of that influence from that kind of. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. And, like, obviously a lot of bands I listen to, like the Apples and Stereo and Early of Montreal, you know, those guys are obsessed with Beach Boys and the Zombies. I'd love to get on here and talk about the Zombies, too. I just oh, told yeah. Phil about my karaoke debut. My first song I ever sung in public um, in karaoke was Tell Her No by the Zombies. So just another wonderful... It's a, it's a really good one. ...wonderful song of yesteryear, so... And I mean, so much of that was to the Beach Boys. So, I would um, also like to do some stuff with you with this, um, with uh, psychedelic sounds of the Thirteen Floor Elevators. Yeah, and Easter Sunday, I'd like to. Well, Dylan, I have a feeling this is our first show, but certainly not our last. So, thank you so much for coming on, talking pet sounds. I know we will be doing disintegration coming up. If you've been listening at home. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Fat Dog Vinyl Podcast. Please come on. Um, you can argue with me. You can tell me about your favorite album, whether I've heard it a million times and never. 
Um, we just love having different voices and different people, different genres represented on the show. So shoot us a message on Facebook at Fat Rod Vinyl. Um, you can get in contact or just pop in the shop and say, hey, I'm interested in getting involved with the podcast. And hopefully we'll talk soon. So come visit us at 7 North Main Street. This has been Matt and Dylan talking pets. Thanks.